Hi, and welcome to the Canine Translators podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer. And Laura McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind. We are located in Austin, Texas. Our goal in this podcast is to help our species understand canine communication and their behaviors. If you have any questions, concerns, uh, or ideas about the future podcasts, please email us at info at caninetranslators.com. That's info at the letter K, the number nine, translators.com. Y'all, I know we have some wonderful listeners, and we are super, super excited to have Zach George uh, on as a guest today. And and Bree. Yeah, <laughs> okay. from behind the scenes. She's <laughs> always behind the scenes. You never really get to see her. So we're excited <laughs> that we have you on today. Um, so basically what we're talking about today is um, the dog training methods, the comparison between the two. Um, I know, uh, Zach, I've been watching your, your feeds and your uh, wonderful uh, attention that's brought to it. So first I want to get it out there. Some people may not have heard of you. I'm not sure how, but some people may have not. Um, So I'd like you to just introduce yourself if you don't mind. Uh, Yeah, I'm Zach George. I've been training dogs for about 18 years. Uh, I used to do dog sports. That's where I come from. I've had a couple of TV shows over the years, one on Animal Planet called Superfetch, one on the BBC called Who Let the Dogs Out, which was basically American Idol for young British dog trainers, if you can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) fantastic format loved it uh written a couple of books on dog training um and yeah youtube is is kind of what i've been doing consistently over that entire time that's my real passion my favorite teaching tool is social media and youtube and things like that that's Mm -hmm. the short that's the short introduction yeah it's uh it's pretty amazing how far of a reach uh you could get nowadays with social media it's changed I mean, I've been doing this for 37 years and it's really, you got a great reach now because of yeah. social media. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, thanks. 37 years. You don't look, you don't look 37. Oh, How have you been doing this? That's so years? nice of you. <laughs> You're amazing. See, he, he knows. He knows how to talk. Yes. Uh, she always tells me I'm old. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've been doing it for a while. Um, but yeah, so you know, in the 37 years that I've been doing this, I do, I've do. i never had to use any physical pain. Uh, no force training, training at all. Um, wow. And highly aggressive canines. So yeah. uh, that's something that I really want to bring up because you brought to light the, I call him the 15 second TikTok trainer personality because I refuse to say his name, but we will because, you know, we need people to understand that it's not acceptable. So I didn't even know he was coming to Austin until right in the middle of my seminar on Saturday. Uh, I was giving a seminar to uh, people and somebody had said, hey, did you know that he's coming to Austin? And I was like, what do you mean? And so they told me and then I saw your video feed and I went, oh, no, we are we are not doing anything else but standing out there trying to educate people because it was just so awful. Um, So so. First, I mean, from one positive dog trainer to the next, uh, thank you for all of the positive yeah. uh, work that you do and how much light you are bringing to this cruelty. Yeah. The uh, fact that it's not needed. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, although it, it takes everyone, as you know, I mean, you know, our voices don't mean anything unless people echo that. And, you know, it really is a community wide effort that we haven't really seen anything like in some time. So it's it's pretty amazing. So you've been doing this 37 years and you yes. didn't even start with punishment. I'm still on that because you go back 37 years. That I mean positively. So, what? Yeah. So here's, yeah. here's the thing. I was I was kind of uh pushed out a lot, obviously. Uh, a lot of people did not. The person that I mentored with, I came from New York, and the person that I mentored with was uh very big on the Roddy Hang um back then in those days where you pretty much what he's doing right now. Um, hanging them and letting them pass out uh, and then looking like God basically is what he he described it as and I said no I'm not doing it I refuse to Uh, and yeah of course being a woman in this field already was a bad thing 37 years ago but being a woman who was like I am not threatening or, or physically punching a dog 
Uh, that was really bad back then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That Yeah. Good for you for being a trailblazer there. Because I mean, I can only imagine what the climate was like then. Because even 18 years ago, when I entered, it was like positive reinforcement was just then becoming the thing, I feel like. And, yeah. So, yeah. And everybody had to follow the, you know, let's choke a dog out yeah. or roll a dog or pin them to the ground or anything like that. And, and we don't do any of that yeah. stuff here. And yeah. we do deal with behavioral and a in aggressive dogs, dogs that want to literally go and attack people or yeah. pe or other dogs, but we don't ever use any of those methods at all. Right. Right. Yeah, clearly. So, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And then yeah. just heard about this on Saturday. I mean, you guys were out, you got right out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We don't yeah. waste any time. So, you know, that's the thing. You know, we always laugh because our listeners know I'm pretty, you know, I'm from New York, so I'm pretty blunt. Um, and I deal with a lot of dogs that will hurt people. So, you know, I don't, I try not to shirk. I'm not, I'm not as PC as most. No, she's not. <laughs> Good for you. Though. We need that. We need more of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, definitely not. But the second that I heard um, that he was going to be here, I was like, you know what? That's not not in my city. Yeah, um, no, it can't it can't happen here. And it did, and it was unfortunate. But I think we got. I think the more we have uh, knowledge about this, oh my god, he's so cute. Uh, the more <laughs> the off more, the couch. I'm like, <laughs> the more we have knowledge about this out there, I, I think the more people understand it won't be okay. Just I think. Right now, because it's been such a big part of dog training, as you said, 18 years ago when you came in, 37 years ago when I came in, I think because it's been such a big part of dog training for all of these years, everybody thinks it's just normal to use, physically harm dogs. Yeah, use that kind of training method. Thousand percent. It's very normalized. And yeah, I mean, we see the rise of shock collars and things like that. That's yeah just completely normalized now. And it's just a primitive way to communicate with dogs. And I don't blame the public as much as I blame, you know, so-called professionals out there recommending these methods. You know, we have to right. differentiate in my, in my view anyway, between everyday people who are just trying to look for answers. We can't expect right. everyone to be behavior experts. And right. so that's really been the target of, of my campaign recently, our campaign, I should say, all of our campaigns um, is to really raise awareness around guys. We need to stop normalizing physical punishments as dog training. Cause they only mask issues. They never address underlying causes as you well know, right. and they're just not needed. Of course, I yeah. think a lot of confusion comes in with management, which I'm curious to hear about you guys. Like, you know, I've heard some behaviorists will use things like martingales and things like that as management tools for really extreme dogs that are really hard to control. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, and I don't know if we should yeah, talk about do. that now, but uh, yeah, yeah how do you handle dogs that are so physically strong that you still mm -hmm. need some physical control to keep yourself safe? Yeah, so we do use chain. We do use a chain martingale. We make sure that it's fit so the dog doesn't get pinched by That's, the chain. Yeah, because if it's inaccurately fit, it'll actually bite. So I won't use a chain martingale if it's not fitted properly. Um, we sometimes have to combine chain martingales because the dogs that we see are seriously intense. Um, so sometimes we have to combine the chain martingales. We might combine that chain martingale with uh, a harness and have two leashes on it. So, you know, we tell people it's like riding a horse, you'll have reins. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. eventually we want to, we want to pretty much have a dog that wants to stay next to their owner. Yeah. That's my, my end goal yeah. is that a dog that wants to stay with the owner, wants to work with the owner, wants to come is, yeah, it's motivated for them instead of I'm only listening because of this tool, because of the shock collar or prong collar, but I don't actually really want to. I just don't want to feel any more pain. Right. We don't even allow prong collars or shock collars on our property. No. Yeah, I was the same way when I was doing classes and things like that. Yep. Same thing. So we use we use martingales. Um, if, it, if it's a true fear case, we won't use a chain martingale because the sound sometimes can be a little too much for them. Uh, so we'll use a cloth martingale, but we do couple it with a harness. Uh, sometimes if we have, uh, we had a barbolus mastiff that came mm -hmm. in that wanted to eat people. Yeah. Um, and that one, because he was a hundred and I think he was 170 ish pounds. Um, yeah. We had to duel it with a general leader because we had to have some type of control on the front end of the dog. I see. What can can I ask you another question too? I know you yeah. guys had me on here, but I'm so curious. Um, so like in terms of forward aggressing dogs, as people like to call them versus fear reactive dogs, where they're trying to increase distance. Do you have a sense as 
a ratio from your clientele? Like what percentage are just going for you versus trying to create distance? Like so now 90s we, plus. Uh, yeah. yeah. What we deal with mostly are um, a lot of trainers and veterinarians actually send their clients to us um, because they're, they're, they're going forward. They're not yeah. going back. Mm-hmm. Um, a good majority of cases that I see are dogs that are, don't have to be provoked. Yeah. They're right. just there. And then suddenly they're going. Yeah. They, so we do see a lot of dogs that go forward. It's probably um, about 95% yeah. of our clientele is the, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to attack it. It's yeah, uh, we don't, we don't have a lot of the, de- we see some defensive of, I want to just get away. Um, our fear cases are, are fewer than our defensive cases. Yeah. Okay. Wow, so y'all are the people. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we are the ones that are going to really, it's not like yeah. an accident you get that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we do everything from like, puppies, obedience, basic stuff. We're starting our own therapy program here and, and all that kind of stuff. But a majority of what we do is behavior and aggression. That's amazing. That's so important. Yeah. And so even with 90 plus percent of that, you still don't need to use premeditated aversives on these dogs. because no. No. Right. And that's why I was out there on Sunday. And that's why we always, you know, on our podcast, we're always saying, you know, this this glorified 15 second TikTok trainer who's going out there and making himself look wonderful. He's not, he's damaging the dogs and he's not fixing the triggers. Yeah. So, and you know, that's kind of what we try to, we try to educate people on is that it's, uh, it's literally a band-aid. Like if I broke my bone, I went to the emergency room, they're not going to fix it. They're going to tell me to go through an orthopedic. So he's the, he's the urgent care. And then somebody else has to do all the work because they're not fixing any of the problems. Yeah. yeah. Although he's probably not competent at the urgent care either, if we're being completely yeah. honest here. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to be nice. Because <laughs> yeah, no, like, we agree, and I think you'll agree, that you can use an aversive method in an emergency situation where if you know, yeah. if you've got to save the dog's life or is about to do something and you have to grab the dog because and that yeah puts them yeah. in pain, you know, obviously that's a requirement, but that's not something you bake in to right. your training plan. Right. No, so that's right. the problem with him is he's literally triggering these emergencies out of these dogs right. only to then shut them down. And anyway, yeah. I'm pretty but almost, I mean, I guess not worse, but equally bad to me is that he really doesn't seem to understand that it's not necessary. Like, I, I almost find it more chilling when I see trainers that are just genuinely like, this has to be done yes. with yeah. dogs versus these macho guys that are just like, I prefer to dominate a dog. At least they're like admitting right. their preference, you know? Yeah. Right. And that that's definitely one of our things is we don't like the, like you have to be the dominant or we don't even tell our clients like the alpha thing is not something we bring into our vocabulary where our whole thing is you need to protect your dog. So you need to be their protector. So our whole slogan is you protect first. Right. You don't need to be this, this alpha personality that has been out there for years. Yeah. Good for y'all. I mean, we just wish we could make copies of you. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully we are, which we have an internship program and we try to, we try to educate as many people as possible. We have a lot of trainers that come to our seminars uh, uh-huh. on aggression because we have so much aggression uh, that comes to us. Um, but yeah, so I don't want to talk about us because the okay. listeners know about us. Sure. <laughs> can't talk about you. Uh, fair but, enough, fair enough. Yes. But it really does. You don't have to use aversive techniques. And and now you've, you've dealt with aggression as well. It's not my specialty, but yes, you can't help but deal with aggression over, over the years. Um, yeah. you know, I had a series with a German shepherd dog that I filmed not too long ago, um, named Moira, who had an issue with livestock animals and had made some kills there. And we really focused on trying to make her understand that's not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Right. And you know, um, Fred, so so all right so that's the big debate too. yeah nowadays is predatory aggression right so a lot of people are going to dub that predatory aggression but it, it might not be predatory aggression 
Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. Context specific so always matters. Yeah. 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 We saw her kill an animal. We just were yeah. told about it afterwards. Right. So. Yeah. 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 And, and it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard, hard uh, to get people to understand there's different, there's different things that will relate uh, to aggression. There are, you know, for us, 16 different types that we see. Um, so, you know, we try to say, don't just say your dog's aggressive. Right. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. There's more than just dog aggression or people aggression. Like why, what is the trigger? Is it out of excitement? Are they being controlling? Like, is it all frustration based? So we, we have to break right. that down. Right. Yeah. Public will use that term extremely loosely, as you know, yes. I mean, they, there's a, you know, dogs jumping on people and all happy when people come over and they'll use that yeah. as a crime. Oh, puppy so. biting. We get aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My dog's getting aggressive because it's a puppy. And a lot of people that come to us and go, my puppy is aggressive. And I'm like, no, your puppy is puppy and it's learning. <laughs> <laughs> That's called puppy. So, so I got a question for you. I got a couple of questions uh, directed specifically at positive burst, uh, aversive. Okay. Um, so from your view, for what you've been doing, right, can can you explain to us in, in your terms what the fundamental difference is between aversive dog training and positive reinforcement? Well, one addresses the holistic experience of the dog. One addresses underlying causes, and the other is simply a mask as that seems to be a product of frustration and tradition, uh, that being aversive methods. I mean, mm -hmm. that would you know, positive reinforcement is really about acknowledging what we like in our dogs, obviously, and aversive yeah. are simply to suppress behavior. And whenever we suppress, we can expect side effects. Yeah. Right. And and so the side effects are what we deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people, we have had cases, uh, one case stands out where we had a client, the dog was attacking her uh, and the husband was like, just rush the dog, rush the dog and tell yeah. him no. Um, <laughs> she got bit real bad, obviously, yeah. because th there was a reason why the dog was rushing her. And he knew that she was going to not be able to follow through on that threat that had been made by somebody else. Yeah, yeah they, they learn context very, very quickly, who's going to yeah. punish how, basically, it sounds yeah. like. With yeah, your yeah. cases, do you find that what because we know one of the side effects to using aversive methods on dogs is increased aggression, as you just alluded to. Yes. What of the 90% of your forward aggressing dogs, do you think are were made worse by aversive methods? Or is that tough to... No, gauge? it's actually not tough because we're so obsessive on our... Yeah, research. and I'm a, it's actually a research study that, that we're in the middle of is with um, using the prong and shock collars and how many dogs that had a bite history before those versus how many of them had it afterwards or had more severe bites after using those techniques. Um, and so that's actually a research study that we're in the middle of so that we can have some actual like, here are the facts, right. numbers, right. because a lot of people don't listen to just us talking about it. They are like, prove it to me. Right. And so we're, we're building the proof. Right. And we see, you know, thousands of people. Um, so, and a lot of them come from other trainers that use those methods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good feedback. Good feedback. Sorry. I have so many questions for you as you ask them to me. <laughs> okay. We are back and forth. We're That's pretty okay. laid back. We, we, uh, our podcast is not, yeah. uh, scripted or anything. We just kind of talk back we and forth. That's all we do. Forth. That's it. So yeah. yeah, but it's totally cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly we do, um, you know, because of the amount of aggression that I see, we try to tell people all the time, you know, when you come in, we do a full consultation, which is, you know, needed. And yeah. unfortunately, when you have a quick trainer, they don't know anything about that dog. Yeah. They don't know that that dog, right? They they may ask, they may ask, has the dog bitten? Yeah, a few questions. But not why did the dog bite? How many times did the dog bite? How hard was that bite? Did it show any inhibition? And what was the trigger of the bite? Where was the bite? So, you know, when you have the aversive training, as you well know, you have the aversive training, you go in and these guys, it's a one size fit all. I'm going to put a leash on the dog and I'm going to fight with it. And I'm going to teach it learned helplessness with me. Yeah. Right. So what's your thoughts about, what's your thoughts about learned helplessness? Uh, 
Exactly. That's what he's doing. Yeah, fight, flight, and freeze, right? And so they're calling the freeze mechanism, which I, I'm interpreting as learned helplessness in this case, as, as yeah. success. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's nothing more than, I mean, you gave the example of the Band-Aid on a broken bone. Uh, another example, a way to put it to the public is imagine your siding is rotting off your house and you paint it and say, I fixed it. You uh, know, yeah. No, you need to now reverse that condition, emotional response. So we need to put yeah. new up and we have to reverse that and help our dogs understand uh, what's actually going on as you're, you're clearly stating so well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, shock collars, prong collars, how now we see a ton of shock collars, unfortunately, and prong collars, they're just all over the place. Um, and, you know, I have written to Petco and PetSmart and Petco is actually not using, uh, selling shock collars anymore, which I'm thrilled about. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there's so many quick pop-up shock collar trainers and people think that it's going to be yeah. a quick fix. So your experience, have you, have you experienced rehabbing or behavior mod on any, uh, shock collars? You know, I actually, uh, uh, probably, I don't really ask clients about that so much when I've taken dogs in, hello. When oh. I'm <laughs> asking oh. if you have used those and experienced oh, have I, your modification, I think. I haven't yeah. used them. No, 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 no. I was asking, I was asking if a client, if you've ever had a client that used I wanted to answer the wrong question and be like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so I haven't, it's not something I delve so much into when I'm working with them. Usually I just deal with it unless there's a reason to ask. And I'm trying to, I can't think of an example. So I don't think I have a good answer for you on that, but. I have you when we, cause Zach used to teach group classes mm -hmm. uh, earlier in our relationship. And I've seen, I mean, people come in with usually prongs. No, I don't think any. No, they would with prongs very often because I don't have people in on the first day. I've seen, and then I make that yeah. clear. Yeah. Like, here's the flat collars that we keep on standby. You need or to harnesses. switch that out or harness. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some just in yeah. our bag. Yeah, we we definitely have that where it's just like, nope, that's not what you're using here. Have we something actually, else. Yeah, we have it in all of our reminder emails too. Don't show up on the property because one, it's going to take a little bit of to lecture you about the prong collar. Yeah, you're going to take <laughs> that know? off right now and here's why. And I'm going to not ever use it. Yeah, so um, so yeah, we see a lot of people now um, where we're seeing a lot of uh, control issues, control aggression, and actually learned retaliation from the dogs mm -hmm. because they're feeling the pain. Um, yeah. And they don't know what's shocking them. And one of our uh, analogies is, you know, if I, if I put a shock on me and I went like two miles over the speed limit because I drive fast um, and my wife kept shocking me. Mm -hmm. Right. I it's... never want to drive it. Yeah. yeah. Or especially with her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but we're seeing a lot of dogs that are actually developing learned retaliation where they start to, if you even show any of the slightest emotional change into anger, they will go after you. And it's learned retaliation from the shock collars. Yeah. A lot of sense because of the, the stress response that aversive methods like that trigger. And, you know, yeah. when we, it inhibits learning, you know, yeah. just yeah. The, the cortisol, the adrenaline, all that. Right function is decreased with aversive methods. It's the exact opposite of what dog trainers should be doing. We shouldn't be inhibiting learning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh and um I'm so I'm so stoked that we have <laughs> somebody that is as uh as public as you are um that's a positive trainer because it's so needed. It is so needed. Um and you know so can you uh with have you we have a lot of people that say uh you know, you use positive techniques, but, you know, you might not deal with real aggression. Or behavioral issues, even. You know, 95% of the people that come to see our seminars or our videos go, how did you handle that dog? And I'm like, I didn't do any force. Mm -hmm. So yeah. have had people that say to you, uh, well, you don't know because you don't deal with aggression. Or because you're and a positive you trainer. With, and how do you deal with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I, I mean, I can, I, we probably had 10 comments on my YouTube channel since we started this podcast of people saying exactly <laughs> that, Oh, you don't work yeah. with dogs because the public has it in their head. I need to see that dog really being aggressive to you. I need to see the problem behavior to yeah. even 
character. And so it looks so much different than they real than they're expecting because the idea is to de-escalate, not escalate a dog. Yeah. So primary objection objective number one when I do have a dog with a bite history is to de-escalate them, get them comfortable with me, and try, you know, try to then get in their head so I can actually address the underlying cause rather than right. yeah, right. rather than sitting there trying to punish the symptom. And this yeah. is what is a very frustrating, difficult thing to explain to the public because they're so conditioned from dog whisperer garbage over the years. Yeah. To same. Think- yeah. <laughs> yeah, we see the same thing. And I think for us, when we have dogs that come in for our consultations and um, even some of our sessions, I mean, if it's a an aggressive dog that is going to come forward at us, I mean, no, I'm not going to just grab your leash and touch your dog and do right. anything like, because then I am going to be provoking something and I'm sorry, but that's not what I'm going for. Right. Uh, so it might not be that I actually touch your dog for a couple sessions because for me, it's more about the owners needing to be able to learn how to do the thing with their dog. So me just grabbing the leash and doing something, one, could put us in danger and not help the dog. But two, how does that help the owner? They're the ones that have to go home with that dog. Right. Yeah, precisely. I know. I don't know if you guys were aware of this uh, or saw this or not, but in one of the earlier protests a couple of months ago, I think, in New York, um, one of the dog daddy protests, our friend Lauren from Sit Stay Stella was out there and she spoke to Augusto at a meetup after his conference and mm-hmm. camera. And he said, how would you handle a dog like this or something to that effect? And she said to him, I wouldn't touch an aggressive dog and proceeded to explain why, like you just did, right. that, I, that it's possible to train an aggressive dog without like terrifying them and pulling them right. towards um, but the way that statement was taken out of context, well, he couldn't, you know. ever, he wouldn't touch an aggressive dog. I mean, it's just, it's what they want to hear because it makes the argument so much easier. And so, yeah, you know, yeah. And it, it really does on their side because, you know, aggression is going to be aggressive. So any comment that they're going to throw is going to be aggressive anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, I, if they're going to, if they're going to be cruel to a dog, they're going to be cruel uh, behind their keyboard. Uh, I think that's a general rule. We've seen that with some of our videos because we did a video about uh, prong collars and the amount of people that came on in like personally was bashing us. And it was literally like, okay, people that are prong collars seem to be aggressive Mm -hmm. versus the people that aren't are not. That's the way it is, right? Um, So we don't handle... I'm sorry. I just, I feel like there's this at least with everyday people who are working with their dogs too. One thing that I think Zach and I encounter a lot is this element of deconstruction. When, when you're trying to tell someone like what you've been doing with this dog that you really genuinely love might not have been the best choice, might not be the best thing. Yeah. For them. It's not, it's not an easy conclusion to come to as, as a guardian of a pet that you love. Right. Cause it's like, yeah. you have to, all this backlog of mistakes and you have to yeah. publicly have done the wrong thing. How can I fix it? And so yeah, some of those people who are aggressive are like having this internal struggle too, that is hard to get over. And so we try to help them with that to the best of our ability. Yeah. yeah. Well, we always tell people that if somebody comes in and they, you know, a lot of our clients sit across from us, the first initial uh, meet that I had is a consult where we ask a whole history and a lot of people are like did I do this to my dog and even if I know it was the aversive training I'm like no you just didn't speak dog yet yeah um, you didn't so, know yeah you know, it, and that is something that you know we that's why we call it our podcast the canine translators people aren't born with the knowledge to speak dog they have to be taught that language um but I think the more we get the positive out there, um, the more they'll learn that it's it is possible. There's, right? That's another option. You don't have to go straight to the aversive or I need to get the quick fix because if there is a behavioral thing, there is no quick fix. You can't fix that dog in one training. Right. It's not going to happen. Than you could for a person. The whole issue of why professionals in quotes are still using these outdated methods is something we talk a lot about. And like, because you had mentioned, you know, sometimes they're aggressive people or sometimes they just have a different worldview. And we've come mm-hmm. with, with the aid of like the Zazie Todd study that was really good. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That was 
I'll think of it's, the title in a second. It's such a multifaceted issue. There are so many, and it's like we have to, just like other social issues in our society, we have to like, you know, some people are going to use those aversive methods because grandpa taught them to do it that way. And yep. that's, other people are going to do it because of toxic masculinity. Other yeah. people, you know, like I'm going to be the tough guy here. Yeah. You know, oh. um, other people are going to do it just because of different worldviews. Others are ignorant who just don't know. And if they have the yeah. scientific, and that's kind of what you're alluding to right now. Yeah. So from where we sit, you know, with a, with a YouTube channel, with all walks of life that leave comments that give, give us feedback, it's so clear that we have to disassemble each one of those facets to have any hope of actually changing it. And, and it's, it's a daunting task. Make no mistake about yeah. that for a lot yeah. of reasons. Yeah. And, you know, I do think, uh, I think a lot more positive trainers, um, <clears throat> because I think part of our problem as positive trainers is we're so focused on the dog that we're not videoing like the explosive aggressive behaviors that we're seeing when I first see it. I'm not going to whip out a camera and go, Hey, time out. Let me get this so I can record what I do. How aggressive this dog is. And then video the process. I think because positive trainers are, are focused on not arousing them to the point of an escalation, we don't get those type of reactions on the initial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't see the process that we do because we're not like some of these other people that, (laughs) that are going for the subscribers and the likes and the money. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and good for you for, you know, maintaining your ethics. That's, that's, it's it's definitely something we stand by. I think I see it on yours because I don't see anybody on yours exploding. No. Exploding. Probably not. Cause I have had like, there's a, a lesson that comes to mind with Delta, the shepherd mix where it was trainer error. I did trigger a snap. She was muzzled, but I was absent-minded petting her incorrectly as I was talking to the person misreading the dog and I got a snap. And then, you know, we addressed that. I was honest about that in the video and we addressed it throughout the lesson. And by the end of the lesson, we got the dog wagging their tail huh. playing. We're building yeah. trust. The dog was scared of yeah. men or you know, yeah. in general. Yeah. Not that we fixed everything, but boy, we gave that dog a good experience, did some counter conditioning. Yeah. And, yeah. and, things like that, you know? and I do think it's important for us as, to be able to explain to people that you're going to make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the training is over or that you can't try to reverse some yeah. of that. So like people that have used aversive, it doesn't mean like your dog is doomed. Like right. you can't, luckily our dogs are very malleable yeah. <laughs> and uh, we don't deserve them as humans. We say that all the time because they are just such wonderful creatures and forgiving. luckily, yes, they're very forgiving and we can usually be able to try to build that bond back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so, that's the right message. So with uh, with the dogs that you see um, with, because uh, you do all, all types of training, Yes. I mean, I wouldn't say all types of training. Um, you know, there are a lot of dog sports I'm not involved with, but yeah, yeah. pet dog training, I would say, or people who are suffering from behavioral issues, everyday people. That's my target audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I used to be, I come from the sports dog world and did, you know, performed around the country and stuff oh, doing stuff with Perandi, Chris Perandi. I don't know if you guys know him. That's very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, so, but, and then I grabbed, you know, kind of now I find myself with pet dog trainers. That's a bigger yeah. market. Yeah. A, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of it going on that needs help. Yes. Yeah. So, from your view as a positive trainer, uh, you know, at the um, at the protest on Sunday, uh, we had a group of awesome trainers that were standing out there trying to educate everybody. Everybody was just, you know, there are other ways, there are other things you could do. Um, and one of the ladies, uh, Diane Sawyer from Hearts and Paws here in Austin had mentioned we just have to do better as positive trainers and get the education out there and had mentioned that the idea was to throw a demo for a bunch of positive trainers, right? To get Um, together. Right. I mean, that would be an amazing, amazing thing to happen. So people can actually see you don't have to do the dog whisperer thing, air quotes involved here. You don't have to do the, uh, I'm going to hang your dog until they die. And then you know, the dog's going to be afraid and learn help, helplessness. And this whole thing, I think, really did open my eyes that I think we do as positive dog trainers need to get a little bit more events going on, like 
putting us out there a little bit more awareness events yeah i mean that's a campaign like this is public awareness and that can be done you know in person on the ground it can be done virtually online as well and that uh and that's something i know we've been doing a lot more of in the last couple of years or at least last year or so of really promoting other positive trainers working with um you know other with dogs with modern methods and things like that but yeah i totally agree with you i mean i think Public awareness, because until public perception changes, uh, it's going to be difficult because the public is deeply confused as to yeah. what dog training and behavior modification looks like. And yeah. there, if you're not a behavior expert, I can, I mean, I remember before I was a dog trainer, I would have assumed if a dog was aggressive, well, you need to meet aggression with aggression. You better show that dog who's boss, you know, yeah. but the beautiful thing about science and too many people don't appreciate this about science is the answer is always at least 10 times more interesting than yeah. any <laughs> up, up yeah. here. Yeah. To act, you can actually be nice to the dog and, and resolve aggression issues or improve aggression issues. Right. That is so counterintuitive to the public. And yeah. it is thing but it's as sure as dropping an apple that it will fall that you can resolve or you can make improvements with ag- aggressive behavior um yeah yeah the- and uh, you know there is you know there is the the gray area here where there are some dogs that you you can manage that's we right. definitely see some of the aggressive dogs that we have to tell them like this is an aggression you can't fix but you can manage, manage and maintain it um, and, but it's also about the owners and if they're going to be able to be consistent and, and be safe. able to do that, and be yeah. safe, you know, so there is a gray matter there. Um, you know, yeah, you're not the aggressive well, dogs. Yeah. Appreciate you clarifying that too, because mental illness comes into play. You do have some dogs that are a risk to public mm-hmm. safety that are yeah. just going to do some really terrible things if they're not appropriately responsibly managed. So yeah, I appreciate the clarification on that for sure. Yeah. yeah. And a, but a, a lot of those dogs that we find that reach that level, mm. it was a learned thing. Yeah. It wasn't like they were born that way. It was created. Right. Unfortunately. Right. And so more you think like, do you, you feel like maybe more rather than it being genetics or mental illness with like extremely aggressive dogs, you see a disproportionate amount those of those dogs having learned that behavior and not being. It's very rare that we see genetics play a part in our aggression cases. We're so we're a little bit more obsessive about (laughs) um, history, where the dog came from, what kind of experiences the dog had in public. Right. So aggression from what we see does have a learned response. Now that could be the slightest learned response, right? So, you know, if I look at that dog that's across the street and I might drop my nose and stare, well, if I watch Caesar Milan, don't let the dog look at that dog. So I'm going to correct it. So now the dog goes, well, I see that dog. I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm going to make it leave further. I don't want it to get any closer because I'm going to get some type of pain response or negative response. So then they start to develop a little bit more uh, aggression and it gets a little bit more distant, a little bit more distant in homes over the pandemic. I'm sure you've Gosh. seen it, right? We've seen a lot of uptick since the pandemic. The dogs are like going, hey, you know what? You're home now. So I can display a little bit more. I have to show you how strong I am. So you can keep me in your pack. And, you know, so we always try to tell people it's from if you could protect your dogs, right? And if your dogs have faith in you and want to stay with you. And I think that's a big part that's missing in aversion training. They don't want to stay there. They stay there because they're forced. They're trapped, right? So, yeah. And and your thoughts on that? They're trapped, right? They're they're not going to have another option. Right. I agree completely with that. I mean, in my... You used to say inside out, outside in. That reminded me of that. Yeah. Step one of having a dog, building a bond with them. I mean, that's what you... That's that, at least in my, my professional opinion, that's the first thing I talk about in my books. Um, you know, like Bree was saying, it's about trying to bring about behavior from the inside outward rather than yeah. from the inside inward, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, trying to just jerk a dog around to create behavior. It's a yeah. very simple way to look at it. Um, and so, yes, I mean, achieving that bond, really teaching the dog to want to be near you is everything you do that and training is much, much easier and you don't have yeah. a problem. Build that things. motivation. Yeah, right, right. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's it's pretty intense to see the dogs that we see, but 
Uh, I I'm really thrilled, like I said, that you're putting on this this grand display against <laughs> the aversion uh, tactics. Because I mean, for for us, with the amount of aggression that we do see, and it is, uh, and Laura is right. I mean, everything we see, we can attribute to most of this is learned. Uh, there are a few types of aggression that are um, sociopathic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, most of what we see, the intent- It's been created the by true, the human. The true intent to go forward is success. So they keep going, you know. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. So yeah, you think, and, and when you say created by the human, it's, uh, I'm assuming for the most part, done inadvertently. Through- yes, correct. Right, yeah. yeah. Most yeah, people, it's just, yeah. Up, uh, before my listeners can <clears throat> wait. Most of the, tell me I didn't do that. Most no. of the time it is. It's a, they just, yeah, they didn't know. And that's the whole thing. That's why we always call ourselves translators for people. No, we're not a dog whisperer. Um, no, we're not, we're not, don't have magic dust right. that we can just make your dog better. It's just because we can translate for you what your dog is, why they're doing this behavior or what they're saying to you. So you can understand your dog and vice versa. Right. Because most people just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Sounds exactly right. I mean, it's true. And then you look at social media and you see where they're getting their information from. Right. Like, so I have a top uh, YouTube channel in the category of dog training. But if you look at the next five channels that come after us, you know, they're aversive dog training. Um, yeah. So and that's, that's one of the reasons why we did the podcast. That's why we do a lot of seminars that are all about like, Learning body language, because right. I think that's one of the things is most people think when they see um, those aversion training, they're like, well, the dog is fixed. And it's like, well, if you read their body language, it's not. Yeah. It's not. And I think today's society. So what do you think about uh, have you seen a difference in your career? Because um, I certainly have. But have you seen a difference in your career about the um, the length of time that somebody wants the dog fixed in? Oh, sure. <laughs> Well, you know, and actually that's, gosh, there's a lot to say about fast. that topic. Yes, of they, course. Fast. Yes, they want it fast. <laughs> but there's this myth out there. because, And this is actually something I'm trying to correct amongst my fellow positive reinforcement trainers, the following sentence. Well, positive reinforcement may take longer, but it's well worth it. I don't think it does take longer because yeah. you're actually addressing the issue rather than masking it. That other thing isn't actually success. Right. That's- not doing anything other than yeah. well dog and suppressing the yeah. dog problems. Or, which in, in which often create problems exactly yeah. the idea that positive reinforcement takes longer is a, a th- something i think we as positive trainers have to stop saying as well when we really get to the i'm not saying you guys say that or and if you did that's okay we, too we but, don't I, <laughs> we don't yeah <laughs> But you you know what I'm talking about. You've heard people oh, say yeah, I that. Do. I do. That's yeah. why I brought the question up because I hear it a lot. And it's right. one of the things that irks me. Yeah. You know my training doesn't take longer. My training might uh, hit upon eight or nine different types of behavior issues that led to the aggression. Yeah. Instead of quick fix right here. That doesn't actually fix it. That's done. Yeah. yeah. Just a parlor trick. Yeah. Right. I'm not urgent care. we have to actually go in there and fix all the things before we can we have to get to the root of the problem because yeah that's why i asked there's more to it it's because i really wanted to hear what your what your thought process was on that because we see you know i want the dog fixed yesterday we see a lot of people that are going to say you know well you know the shock collar fixed it right now but did it really or the like using the prong collars for leash pulling. Well, now my dog doesn't pull and is like, well, yeah, because it hurts. But if you take the prong collar off, one of our favorite things is if I take that prong collar off, will it still walk by your side? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will it pull or will it actually walk with you now? And also like even even where you do like in the case of a prong collar and it's working while it's on, like you're saying, if you're using these tools properly as directed meaning that you have to use them forceful enough for the dog to not want to repeat the behavior um you know you're what was i going to say about that uh i lost my train of thought as i was saying it Uh (laughs) this happens all the time (laughs) sometimes i know where you're going but i didn't that time Uh, i wanted to finish this point if i can remember it or was there a question were we talking about suppression doesn't take longer 
I, I'm getting front, a cutback. So we'll putting on the front collar and then you take it off and they don't walk well. Yeah. After the front collar. Experimental stimuli that they're now creating. It's like you're so you're if there happens to be a person walking by or another dog walking by, you know, and you're classically conditioning inadvertently to these other stimuli in the environment. Right. That they're, it's incredibly risky to do that to a dog. Yeah. And I think like another thing I wanted to get across too is if if the public could just learn that there are laws of learning, there are certain truths in psychology. Uh, that are universal amongst all animals. Like it's like the public thinks, well, humans learn one way and dogs learn another way. When <laughs> course, the learning laws are the same for both dogs and people. Never mind the fact that we're both mammals with neocortexes and virtually yeah. like motive systems. I mean, the the laws even apply to grasshoppers who don't have a lot of those. Yeah. Things. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so that's another thing that I wish people understood and maybe our education system can help out with that. But Well, and we always say because, you know, just like kids, like kids, they they can all learn the same thing, but some of them need to learn it in a different way and approach it in a different way. And it's the same thing with dogs. Like I can't just have this blanket thing that I just do with every dog and assume it's going to work. Like there are some dogs that we've had to literally be like, this is going to be your dog's program because we're going to have the foundation of it but I need to tweak it to fix right. you, so, to good to address your dog and specifically. I do think that's going that's important too. Yeah, because some dogs it might while it might take a little longer to fix. The only reason is because it might have eleven to fourteen different types of aggressions that their uh, stimulus is causing aggression. Whereas you know, one that has one or two, yeah, they might get through it quicker because they're not dealing with this much. Not, yeah, we are dealing with the uh, the whole behavior. We're not dealing with just a band-aid. So um I do, I do, I'm I'm thrilled, thrilled to see that you're you're getting out there and uh you have a lot of following. I think I think we need to get a lot more information out there um mm -hmm. about positive training and to try to get everybody on the same page with positive training too. Yeah, right. That it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's what the goal is. I I personally think that for us to see a real change in the industry that state licensure should be a requirement um and that we need to get to that place to where because because it's not a small issue. It's like dogs have teeth, they can bite, they become a public health and safety risk when yeah. you're using these methods. Those dogs go in public, they have children in the home. Dog trainers can't be saying, hey, give me a few hundred bucks. Uh, I'll come in there, yank your dog around when they're really creating an additional public health and safety risk and right. misguide the public. It's, it's truly a danger to the public, which is why we see licensure arise in many fields. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's why your plumber needs a license because they can screw up your whole life's work, your investment in your home if they yeah. do something wrong, you know, and this yeah. different with our dogs. Yeah, I do. It is. It is really important. I mean, there are so many trainers that pop up. I mean, here in Austin, Texas, I can't even tell There's you so, how many trainers so many. in Austin. Um, and, you know, we, I, and I'm sure you've heard it too with some of your clients where somebody says, well, my friend who's a dog trainer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my friend, my family member, the friend of a friend said to do this. You know, somebody can watch a TV show and say, I can now go train a dog. And that's not okay. It's not okay. It's, it is dangerous, super dangerous. We see dogs that, uh, have, you know, uh, somebody will use the aversion training, they adopt the dog out, the, the collars come off, and then they, you know, attack people that are in the house because there's nothing for them to be afraid of. Uh, the only reason that they were behaving was because they were terrified for their lives. Yeah. You know, and then you take it off and they're like, well, you can't tell me no now because you can't stop me from doing something. And it's not the dog's fault. The dog's not evil. Yeah. Right. It's taught. It just no problem was ever fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And like the public isn't even aware of this divide in huge part. Like when was the last time? I don't know. I know as a dog trainer, it's rare that someone will ask me, you know, if I get some random person that I tell them a dog trainer, they don't ask, oh, well, what, what methods do you use? Yeah. They go, oh, well, how do I fix blah, blah, blah. And yes. if I was a trainer, you know, I'd be giving them terrible advice. Yeah. They would not know it. And that's that's yeah. the point. 
confusion I'm talking about, because it is unrealistic to hold the public to the standard of a professional dog trainer. But at the very least, professional dog trainers need to stop exacerbating this issue within the public, which is why I get so deeply offended by it and why I am so loud about it, because it's not a matter of just, oh, well, I look at it differently than you do. That's fine for you as a trainer if you're going to do that. But when you now go and you start advising the public, that's yeah. what we and that's where I'm going to call you out personally on my platform. Um, yeah. No, I, there's no room for diplomacy when people are science denying, when they are just giving plain problematic advice to the general public. That's what really gets me going, you know? Yeah, yeah. me too. That's why I left uh, my Sunday to go and do that. The protest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were one of our really awesome surprise uh, protesters out there, we noticed. And where did they come from? This is great. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're pretty vocal in Austin. So a, a majority of people, they hear about us, um, but they always hear about us from like word of mouth or other people talking about um, either hearing us at something like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or because I'm blunt. Yeah, um, she's not shy. But I, I think it's important that uh, we do... Uh, there are, there's so many changes that have to happen in the training world. So many changes. Yeah, awareness is number one. It's step one, and it's a multi-year endeavor, no doubt. I mean, you've been having this conversation for 37 years now, and <laughs> I've been having yeah. it. And, you know, it's interesting to see how... As social media goes, it's a double-edged sword, social media. On one hand, it exemplifies what's terrible about dog training and other issues. And on the other hand, it gives us the opportunity to com combat misinformation, too. So... Yeah, it is. it is. Well, Zach, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and uh, giving us your time. I know you guys are three hours behind us. Yeah, all the way in Alaska. <laughs> on the ground yes. tomorrow. Look at that. It's, it's snow. <laughs> oh, my God. So we're in Texas. We just started getting cooler weather. Uh, we've been complaining about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Um, yeah. Just got cooler. And they just said in the news that we're going to get another spot of 90s. And I'm Whoa. like, so yay. Enjoy <laughs> your snow. <laughs> we're, we're jealous. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But yeah, thanks for being on and happy to do it anytime. Well, you know, um, I don't know if you're aware. I just thought I would let you guys know uh, that dog daddy announced he's coming back to Austin. Yeah. So I've already blocked it off on our calendar. So I saw that, but we're also, we put a podcast out there to try to get our community to go to Austin city council and Austin animal advisory commission, see if we can get them blocked. Um, so we're going to keep mentioning it mm -hmm. every week on our podcast. Um, because it's really important. I, and this is a city of dog lovers. So I, th I think if we can get him blocked from coming to Austin, that would be a good show on, on our positive training base. Mm -hmm. There's precedent. You know, we kept him out of Australia, uh, Italy, and the UK, more or less. Right. Mm -hmm. Those were on his schedule, and he didn't go through with those those classes he had promised. So Yeah, yeah but if he's here, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I know you guys have a busy schedule here. So I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Awesome. All right, y'all. Thank you again so much. It was a pleasure. Um, and uh, for all of our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. We were super honored to have Zach and Bree on our show today. Um, and hopefully, again in the future, we'll be talking about less than this fifteen-second TikTok. We'll be able to go into more things. Personality. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Are interesting. Yeah, I learned a lot today. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Y'all yeah, yeah. have a great day. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Can we that was fantastic. And we are so excited that we had Zach and Bree on the show. And uh, as always, remember, you can like, follow, and subscribe our podcast. If you have any ideas for future podcasts, please give us a shout at info at caninetranslators.com. That's info at caninetranslators.com. Remember to always see your dog and hear your dog in order to help your dog. And protect first.